guess. <laughs> Hitting record is not one of the fruit of the spirit. Just Yes. Um, it reminded me of First John five um, because you see um, this struggle between commands and love. Um, and if you say that the command is love, uh, then you you have to remember that there's two directions that we love. We love vertically first. We love God because He first loved us. And because of God and His character and and His glory, we then love horizontally. We love each other, and you really see the the combination of that in First John five. Everyone who believes that Jesus is, Jesus the Christ is born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves His children as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact. This is love for God to keep His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Um, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So you see this um, contrast. It, it is, um, in some ways, an insurmountable obligation that we have, uh, if you want to word it that way, right? Um, and it is a bigger call than just to take out your list of commands and check all those boxes. Um, but at the same time, because of our love for God and our understanding, it's not burdensome. It is a, a calling to a work of joy. Yeah, amen. You go back. First John has... There's a lot of things you can learn from First John that are, that are going to make a lot of sense with, with what we're saying here in Galatians. I mean, here we I, I like how you put it. We love vertically and horizontally. Our love for God, and we also love people. And the thing is, these are related. Because the, how you love others is how you see how God loves you. Right? If you understand that God is a God of grace who did something for you you could not ever do for yourself, that's exactly how you love others in ways that you know you will never get back more than you invested in them. And you do it anyways. These are, they come together. They connect there. You can't separate them anymore. At least you shouldn't try. And, and the problem is, like you said, it's a burden in a certain sense. But in a certain sense, it's not burdensome. It's a burden without being burdensome. Because it's something you want to do. And so this is the problem when people think it's either you have a bunch of rules or you have total lawlessness. It's like, no, but there's a third way. And the third way is it's a relationship. I mean, we do things for people we love all the time. And we don't do it because it's like, well, you know, if, if I don't give my wife a gift that's worth greater than $50, she'll divorce me. That's not, that's, if that's how she's thinking, you have a problem. But, that's, but we still do these things, even though it's not in a checklist. So how do we, your relationship aspect is how you make sense out of this. Russ, did I see your hand raise?
Yeah, this is not a small thing. I mean, you think about this for a second, how strong the language is that Paul uses. I mean, it's like you are severed from Christ if you do this. So what, whatever's going on here, don't do it. And you know what's surprising about this is that you have Galatia, right, and you've got Corinth. Okay, Corinth, they have people, they're, they're, they're eating up all the Lord's Supper before everybody's there. It's just chaos. They're, there's a man who has his father's wife, and they're, they're glorying in it. And yet, and I read 1 Corinthians one time, specifically to look if Paul ever says anything like, you guys are not saved. If it's in there, I'm not seeing it. And then you have Galatians. Galatians are saying, hey, listen, we're going to keep Christ, uh, but let's go ahead and just, let's just put a little bit of God's law. I mean, the, the, the poor was God's law. Let's just put a little bit of that in there. And Paul says, on judgment day, you're on your own. That's kind of a shock. I think I saw another hand raised, John. I agree with you. And this is a difficult problem that we have to really spend some time thinking about. Like, how do we think about the law in the right way? And like, I like one of the questions you asked, were they thinking about it? Were they even thinking about it in the right way? And I actually think that it really was, they were really thinking about it in a certain sense wrong. They put it in the wrong place. Now, I don't totally blame them for that because they didn't see the, well, the Galatians didn't see the whole picture, but I can understand why Jews would be confused on this before Jesus came and saw how that all fit together. And we are going to talk about that, actually, because one of the topical lessons is to talk about Contrasting and comparing the new law versus the old law, because it's not a it's not a simple answer. You've got to work through it. Mike. Well, and I think this kind of goes to that. I mean, he started verse one and he talks about um, New King James says liberty and bondage, right? Two opposites. And I think your version said freedom and slavery, two opposites. And so it also indicates that stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So the fact that we didn't seek out the liberty. Christ gave us this liberty. And the bondage, and we can see that specifically he goes into this idea of circumcision. But I think it, in verse 1 it says, entangled again with a yoke of, with a yoke of bondage. Not the, not circumcision specifically and only, but with a yoke of bondage. And so we see this idea of liberty and anything that can be, that, that, that we can find ourselves in bondage with that we put on ourselves that Christ has taken away from us. And I think we even do that today. There are many things that we find ourselves in bondage with saying we have to do this and this and this and this and this. Otherwise, we, you know, when in reality it's you, Christ mainly spoke about you, you have to love and not do some of these things. Not all these things that you have to do. And so if we, if we just really realize that this liberty and bondage, this freedom and slavery are exact opposites, and we have to abide in the liberty that was given to us and set aside this bondage and slavery that we put on ourselves. Yeah, and I like the way you put it because you pointed out how it's something that was given to you. And this is a key aspect that you lose if you really think you're just going to make it yourself. And that aspect is key. Paul opens Galatians talking about grace. He uses the word grace. And he ends with grace. 
And I think sometimes we read past that because it feels like one of those things you just say, but you don't really care about. You know, you ever, you go say, hey, uh, how's it going today? And then you don't wait for an answer and you just move on. It's just something you say. But what if for Paul, that's, that's not what that was. I mean, this is a guy who's like, I ascended the law. I mean, I was a Hebrew of Hebrew. You name it, I did it. I mean, I was so bullish for this that I didn't just seek out heretics in my own. I went and got letters and I sought them out in other places. And then he gets a gift and it changes everything, right? And that, not just that he moves away from Judaism, he moves from a, a different type of thinking, right? And I think it's what you see here. You get, it's not just a to-do list, it's a to-be list. Yes? It's a good way to put it. Our, our weakness is our strength in the sense that we know we can't do this ourselves. That knowledge is what actually makes us powerful because we're relying on someone who is powerful. And that's a totally different, that's what leads to this totally different shift of mindset when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Chris? So the New Testament system is obviously difficult to express and understand. You know, it, it's easier, like we said, to go through a set of laws. It would be easier just to check them off. But that's not what we have. And I think it's, it's even hard to find... The description of that. I really like Romans um, 16.26 where it talks about the obedience of faith. That's kind of the description of the way you can see it. And I hadn't noticed it, but it says it again in chapter 5 and verse uh, 5. The end, or verse 6, the end of the verse. What's important is faith working through love. Where it puts that idea together. Because you often hear, oh, well, it's faith only or it's works only. Well, no, it's faith. Working through love. So that puts all those thoughts together. And if you can comprehend that, that's how to live it. That's how, that's how it works. Yeah, I, and I agree. It's hard to understand. I mean, you're going to spend your entire life thinking about and trying to make sense out of this. this is, I mean, I'm not dead yet, so I guess I can't say, but I'm, I'm still working through it. I was like, uh, Sarah Wright had said something last Sunday. And she was talking about how, you know, having a, a more limited knowledge of grace when she first became a Christian. And I was about to say, well, isn't that true for all of us? We're still trying to figure it And she's like, well, I guess that's true for all of us. I'm like, yes, exactly. This is, it's actually more complicated than that. All right. Yes, Raymond.
Yeah, and I think your point about how we do need to realize justification and, and sanctification are two different things, right? There's, you are sa- you are 100% saved when you were first made a Christian. So if you want to look at this as a checklist, like if I have to achieve salvation, it really doesn't make any sense. Because you start off with 100%. You're 100% saved. You are not 3% and then like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe next year I can hope to be 4% saved. That's, that's not how this works. And then, you, and then you're stuck with this ambiguity. Well, am I, am I ever really saved? I mean, you were talking about, was it that person who was trying to live under the law and he was talking about how he thinks judgment day is going to go? What was it that he said about that? Yeah, so here we got a Torah-observant person who claims to be a Jesus follower. Yeah, you, hear, you heard this story before? It's like, uh, it's Galatia. And he says, he will, on judgment, he does not know if he'll be saved. Because he can't keep the law. Right? That's the point, right? His feeling, in this case, is correct. It's like, if he could just work into that and realize, but this is the problem. Right? This should be a warning. Something's going wrong. Yeah, and if you, one of the things I'll tell you about people who claim to be Torah observant, oh, that's the bell. Well, we're not going to do chapter 6 today. So, the general tendency is if they, if they want Jesus and to be Torah observant, they have to eject Paul. So I'd be curious to see, if you know, do you know anything about what his view on Paul? Yeah?
Right. And that's the thing. Is so my guess is if you if you get to that, I'd just be curious to see what his view on. I, 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 I think it's highly likely he's completely jettisoned Paul, and that's the only way he could do it. Which is exactly what happens in go read chapter one of Galatians. This is what happens. Say that's the thing about Paul's only the start. Paul's the obvious one because he just straight up tells you this stuff. That, yeah, you're you're gonna, you have no Christ. The reality is you also don't have Peter and James. Go read chapter two of Galatians, and you don't have Jesus. That's <laughs> go read the Gospels. Yes, right. When you say cultural things, are you talking about, so you're talking about, like, you know, Christian culture, if you will? So, so it's easy for this fellow's wife to say, the Amish are fundamentalists. Why did he not say, those people that attend the Church of Christ, they're fundamentalists? What, why, what, what is the difference? So then... If I'm understanding the question right, it's about making sure that we are fundamentalists on the right fundamentals in a way that it's obvious. Like people, sh- people should be able to see this. Okay, I, I, <laughs> I agree. I, I put it down as a question because I, I do want to talk about this because remember we have three topical lessons and one of them is what is that? What does freedom in Christ look like? Because we know what freedom in Christ looks like. It's chapter five and six. Chapter five in particular, and. He actually gives a bunch of these fundamentals. Now, they're more complicated, to your point, than the sort of thing you could just see where you do an archaeological dig on a Jewish site and there's no pig bones there. Why why is that? Well, it's an artifact of something. Well, we need to leave artifacts behind. The question is, what kind of artifacts are those? Liberties versus license. You've been given freedom. Now, don't take that as a license. And that is exactly what Paul's doing in Galatians and in Romans, right? Because the first part is you're not under law, but that doesn't lead to license. And that's chapter 5 and 6. 
And so there's a fundamental in chapter 3 and 4 and how that plays out. Yeah, so it, it's a good question. We're going to talk about it. Raymond. That's a good point. Lloyd. So real quick, the simplistic answer, and I don't know if it is the answer, seems to be that everything that you do, you compare it to before you ask yourself, am I doing this out of love? You have to answer yourself honestly, but you have to compare it to, is this a loving thing that I'm doing? Am I doing this out of the proper motivation? And then you'll have the answer in terms of moving forward. And your life will Right, exactly. And that's really that core key. Now, there's multiple levels, which I think is why Brian's bringing this up. You have to ask yourself, am I doing this with the right motivation? Is it love? And the type of love we're talking about, because he doesn't say just the word love. You know, the world talks about it all the time. It's a different type of love, like Christ's love, which means people should be able to see that. All right. What's that? Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly. That's way harder than people think it is. Uh, well, I guess one more comment, and then we're done. Yes, ma'am. Good point. I like the way you put that. Good point. All right. Thanks.